All right. Hi, guys. We are the Desert Island Playlisters. We're back again. But this time, we are doing the Not Your Parents playlist, Desert Island edition. <laughs> so basically, we decided to pick some of our favorite songs that are from our parents' generation. We thought it was really interesting how like, our parents' music has influenced our taste growing up. So I'm Anina, by the way. I'm Jess. I'm Austin. All right, so to start us off, we're just going to go in the order of um, oldest music to most recent. So my first pick is Tomorrow Never Knows by The Beatles. This is from Revolver from 1966, and it's the last track on the album. And I think this is funny because this is really a not my parents' um, song choice because my parents were n never, like, huge Beatles people, but when they were, it was always, like, their hits, like... Hey Jude, Here Comes the Sun. So like any of the more obscure Beatles music I knew, I had just found on my own. So as you can hear, it's very like psychedelic and I just think it sounds like way before their time. Um, this is around the time when they were starting to get a lot of influence from Indian music. And there are some parts in there that where they play different sounds in reverse, which I think is just r a really cool technique. And I was reading up on this, and I found out that um, John Lennon got the inspiration for this song from a book on psychology that talks about the benefits of psychedelic drugs. And <laughs> apparently, as, as the story goes, he read a passage from the book out loud and recorded it. Then he took LSD and played it back, and he listened to it, and he was just so amazed. And that's where the song comes from. And if you listen to it, all the lyrics about, like, meditation and, like, relaxing, I just think it's really cool. So. We stand. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So my, uh, my pick for my oldest one, um, it's a 70s hit. And it turns out it's really about no one in particular, despite what the lyrics might suggest. And it was once simply referred to the band as the disco song. The track I'm referring to is Blondie's Heart of Glass from their album Parallel Lines. And I'll just play a quick soundbite of that for you guys. So I just, I know, I, I know, like, despite what my shirt might tell you guys, I like post-punk and, like, goth rock music, but if you know me, you know I have a soft spot for disco. When this song comes on, I physically cannot stop myself from dancing. Like, it was so hard for me to not get up and start dancing right now. The beat is just so addictive. According to Rolling Stone's Top 500 Songs article, the band members Debbie Harry and Chris Stein wrote this song in their dingy apartment in New York City. How much more genuinely, like, not even trying aesthetic can you get than that? <laughs> and apparently Blondie's keyboard player, uh, Jimmy Destry, came up with the memorable synth sounds and hooks that the song is known for. And all I have to say is that if you don't like this song, don't trust me with the aux chord, because I probably will always play this. It's a perfect car jam. Always gets everybody going. With that said, um, Austin, what's your song choice that you chose for this, this so. topic? 
my oldest song choice is actually one from 1969, which even I was kind of surprised about because to me, when I first heard this, it sounded like a late 70s, early 80s song to me. And that's Beginnings by Chicago. song is like eight minutes long but it literally goes by so quick and that's because it's like the whole song isn't quite like that the beginning the first like the first half of the song really is more of like more lyrical which is probably why there was like so many people actually working on this song like it wasn't just like normal thing of like two of the songwriters and then the rest of the band kind of put it all together no there was like Four lyrics. There was like four lyricists on this song, which I can kind of see because it's like an eight-minute-long song. And the whole thing about it is that like the first half kind of you know is more lyrical, and then the second half is pretty much just all instruments. There's really no real. There's a couple of like you know words, I guess, here and there, but it really is just like more the band in the second half, and then the lead singer in the first half. And there's just something about this song that's just like. Sunday afternoon, just want to drive around in the middle of summer kind of thing. You know what I mean? Just like something about the song kind of hits me. And it's even though it is kind of like a slower beat a little bit, it really just gets me like both energized and relaxed at the same time. I really don't know how to describe it. <laughs> All right. So my next pick is from 1973 and it's Dire Maker by Led Zeppelin. This is from Houses of the Holy, which is their fifth album. And I really like this album. It's really experimental for them, and it has a lot of different sound than a lot of the rest of their music. Um, Led Zeppelin's one of the bands that my dad would show me a lot when I was younger. I know he really liked their guitar. Um, but this is one of the first songs that I kind of like discovered on my own. It's probably still my favorite Led Zeppelin song. And it's really been popular in a lot of different genres a lot of people have covered this song like Cheryl Crow Great White and this is one that I think you guys might be surprised by <laughs> but Sean Kingston sampled this song <laughs> in 2007 in his song Me Love which I'm sure like most of you know and I don't know if any of you knew that it was a Led Zeppelin song which is just so weird to me but here it is <laughs> I can hear the Sean Kingston influence. I definitely hear it. Go back and listen to it, and you'll just be amazed. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so my next choice was a song that came out in 1979 from one and only Joy Division. (laughs) Um, As you know, like by my shirt, I'm a big fan of Joy Division. And to those of you who only know them as the band with the waves design, Joy Division were an English rock band formed in the late 70s and are now accredited with being one of the first post-punk and goth rock bands. The, fir- the band's lead singer, Ian Curtis, led quite an unlucky life, suffering from the effects of epilepsy, depression, and a failing marriage. His hardships were made quite obvious in the band's lyrics and overall persona. A song of theirs that I love and chose to share with you guys today is called She's Lost Control from their debut album, Unknown Pleasures. 
The song's striking lyrics take a dark inspiration from a young epileptic woman Curtis saw frequently when he worked at a psych ward. This song is, no, not a psych ward, a rehab center, my, my bad. This song is true to Joy Division's overall sound with their signature creepy sounding percussion and the anxious feeling it gives listeners. Eventually, Curtis had been diagnosed with epilepsy himself, making the feeling of this song even more chilling. And then Curtis tragically committed suicide at age 23 in 1980, making the band's persona even more devastating. With that said, what was your choice for this category, Austin? The second song was actually one written in 1975. And as I said in the last podcast, my all-time favorite artist will forever be Elton John. And this is actually my favorite song of his by far, and that's Philadelphia Freedom. I physically just cannot not do an air guitar, like whenever I hear this song in one solo. I love, love, love this song. I remember where I was like when I first heard it. And you know, this is kind of a longer song too. It's like five and a half minutes long. I just remember it just kept getting better. I was literally like in Reed's library. And I was like, I've never heard this one. It was like came up on like my Spotify and I was like, oh my God, like I just had the biggest like stupid grin on my face the whole time I heard this song. And I was like, this is definitely like by far my favorite one. And I was surprised when I was like researching it a little bit. The song is actually like, he wrote it as like, cause at that point he was art, like he was still kind of closeted gay, but you know, he wrote this, he revealed later that he actually wrote this as an LGBTQ plus anthem, which I did not pick up on the first time I heard it. But also like the first time I heard it, I kind of just took it at like face value. But after like looking at this and then re-listening to it, I can definitely kind of like pick up some of the themes. Something else I was surprised about is that he wrote this specifically for the tennis player Billie Jean King, who was the uh, 25-year-old who played the 55-year-old that I can't remember the name of right now in the Battle of the Sexes tournament and ended up winning. And she was also a uh, lesbian during that time. Or she was also you know during that time too, but she wasn't quite out yet. And they wrote it kind of together, but they wanted to downplay it a little bit until they could kind of like talk about it a little bit more. But yeah, no, I love this song. This is such a, such a good layered song. And it's one of those I definitely like, it builds to such a good ending. It builds to just such a big, like bombastic ending that I just, I love everything about it. All right, awesome. So for our last round of music, our most recent songs, Mine is This Must Be The Place, or Naive Melody, by Talking Heads. It's the second single from their fifth album, Speaking in Tongues, from 1983. Um, it's one of their more well-known songs, but I think Talking Heads is really cool. They were like some leaders of the new wave movement. Um, some people refer to them as art school punks, which I think is really funny because like at the same time, they're kind of like rebellious and really eccentric, but they also tried to be super like intellectual and sometimes they came off as a little pretentious. But I just think they're really fun and I feel like I can see a lot of their influence in more modern alternative music. And yeah.
Yeah, I just love the lyrics and the sounds so much. And I know the Lumineers also covered this song, and they recorded more of like an acoustic version. And they say it's one of their favorites to play at the end of their shows. So, yeah. Jeff? Okay, um, my final pick and most recent song is underrated, in my opinion, from 80s alternative indie band The Smiths. And the song that I chose of theirs is called Well, I Wonder and it appears on their 1985 album, Meat is Murder. I really like this song because it's simultaneously like melancholy, but it's soothing. And it's like perfect background noise for a rainy car ride, or if you've had a lazy day or a rough day, it's just like something to assure you like what you're doing is normal, like I don't know. It can feel relatable to some because it's implied that the song's narrator is gone and sinking into a deeper depression. And it's almost like a cry for help or possibly even a plea that he's drowning deeper with no light at the end of the tunnel. Um, I just think the instrumentals and lyrics of this song are so striking. I'll just play a quick soundbite of it. I just think this song's really interesting and the story of the Smiths is really interesting. And I think younger people need to recognize them even more than they do today because they're one of the, they're one of the original alternative indie bands and everyone that likes that genre should at least give them a chance to kind of acknowledge like where it came from. So um, Austin, what was your most recent pick for our, your parents' generation? So my most recent pick for my parents' generation is one by 1981, which was like, you know, whatever. Uh, it's now my big guilty pleasure genre is disco. I, <laughs> I'm a big disco guy, honestly. Like, I don't really know why. Something about it. And so I picked uh, It's a Love Thing by The Whispers. The song is so ridiculously like corny and cheesy, and I love every single second of it. <laughs> same thing, dude. Same thing as with my last song. I remember like listening to this song for the first time, just being like, "Oh my god!" Like, just a big <laughs> stupid like happy grin on my face. I can just picture you getting down to this. Yeah. And oh, dude, absolutely! <laughs> Disco night at Sunny's last year. This was the first thing I requested. They never Amazing. played it. But <laughs> All right, so those are our picks. So we had a question for you guys. Do you have any music that maybe your parents listened to or was from your parents' generation that you feel like has really influenced your music taste today? Literally, my favorite genre is 80s. So, like, 80s alternative and stuff like that. Like, um, I don't know if anyone knows, like, Visage. Like, they're, like, also one of the pioneers of um, alternative, like, their, their song, like, Fade to Gray, I'm pretty sure everyone knows it. But it's one of those things where, like, everybody knows it but doesn't know it at the same time. So I don't know. But, yeah, 80s is literally my favorite thing. So thank you, parents. 
Um, my mom is obsessed with Billy Joel. She's gone to 17 of his concerts. Um, she was in the third row at one and leaped over the 30 rows and touched him. So she's literally obsessed. An so icon. I kind of don't have a choice. My first concert was Billy Joel, so it's always playing in my house. So I think that's influenced me in a not my choice though. <laughs> yeah, sometimes you don't even realize how much your parents' music influences you. <laughs> my mom always played the ABBA Greatest Hits <laughs> CD in the house, and so I grew up loving Mamma Mia naturally. Of course. <laughs> One more? Yeah, my mom really made me love like ABBA and like disco music, and my dad lately literally always play Johnny Cash and Elvis, so mm. that's like a, really what I listen to now today, too. Okay, cool. With that said, I think we're out of time, and stay groovy, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>